that we just say okay god okay i'll just try and obey then things change and if you do that over a long enough period of time all sorts of things get worked out of your life and it's not like you have to like go crazy about it you just have to respond to the lord respond to the promptings of the lord see daniel's testimony was because he walked with god and because he walked with god god invited daniel to partner with him to be a witness Our lives and our actions speak volumes louder than our words and can be a powerful testimony to the world. In today's message with Pastor Daniel, we'll discover how one man's life had an impact on many because he continually chose to follow God and live for Him. His reputation spanned decades and his story still remains to be an inspiration for us. We too can choose to take steps in that same direction following God with all we are. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 5 with part 2 of his message, Foolishness. Is what you're hoping in, will it really hold when push comes to shove? See, Belshazzar is hoping in the gods of gold and silver, the gods of his kingdom. But all of a sudden, he's going to find very, very quickly that his hope is built on something that can't hold him. Because what happens? Notice what goes on in verse 5. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and rode opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote in verse 6. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. Now, try and imagine that. You're there in that hall, right? There's all these nobles and the king is there and everybody's having a great time. It's a great party and all of a sudden, there's this big lampstand. All of a sudden, there's a hand that starts writing on the wall. That would be kind of trippy, don't you think? Yeah. And this thing starts writing and all of a sudden, everyone's countenance changes. You can imagine that. They'd be like, man, what is in this wine? You know? Say right. But literally, everybody is undone. And so the king cries out. And he says, I want all my wives, all my counselors, they all need to come in. I need to understand what this thing says. And so sure enough, everybody shows on up. And he says, listen, if you could tell me what that says, I'm going to give you a robe of purple. That was a sign of royalty in that culture. A gold chain around your neck. He's like, I'm going to get you all blinged out. Gold chains, I mean, they're more common today in that culture. That was, again, there was a very generous gift. And then, of course, you could be third in my kingdom. Why third? Because his dad is actually the ruler. He is the co-regent, so he can only give the third part of the kingdom. But nobody can give him what it says and what it means. And sure enough, look what happens in verse 10. It says, the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding, wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. 
Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, whom is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, who have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. Verse 16, and I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed in purple. And have a chain of gold around your neck. And you shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself. And give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king. And make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. Whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from the kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, but you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him. And this writing was written. Wow. So you see what's going on here, right? Everybody's freaked out. But then the queen shows up, and, and most would say that it was the queen mother. So you got to realize that, you know, all the way through this, Nebuchadnezzar is referred to as Belshazzar's father. And that was a very common way that if your grandfather was alive or your great-grandfather, they just all call him your father, your, your great ancestor, the patriarch of your family. And most scholars would say that this isn't Belshazzar's wife, because his wives and his concubines were in there, but this was like the queen mother, whether it was his father's wife or maybe it was even Nebuchadnezzar's wife, who was still alive. Right? And she hears what's going on and she comes on in and she says to him, listen, O king, live forever. That was a common greeting. He says, don't worry, because there's this guy in the kingdom. His name is Daniel. And Daniel served your father, Nebuchadnezzar. And the way she speaks about the prophet Daniel is beautiful. Notice what she says in verse 11. In whom is the spirit of the holy God? He had light, understanding, wisdom. Verse 12, an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas. My friends, 
you and I need to make sure that we mind our testimony. Are you minding your testimony? See, Daniel's testimony in Babylon was one of an excellent spirit, one who had the spirit of the living God, a man who had a unique wisdom. Light and understanding were a part of his life. And my friends, God has called us to be a part of this world that we might have the same testimony. But you have to mind your testimony. Now, at this point, about 539 BC, Daniel was in his early 80s. Daniel had spent his entire life in Babylon, and Daniel's testimony in Babylon was something that was built over time. You know what the problem with our testimony is? It takes an entire lifetime to build a good one. It takes one minute to tear one down, doesn't it? It doesn't seem right, but that's just the way that it is. You can get everything right your whole life, and one bad mistake can ruin your testimony. But you have to ask yourself first, are you minding your testimony? Because Daniel throughout his life was very specific and intentional. We call this living structurally, right? In all the moments of potential temptation and all the ways he could have compromised, Daniel had already made a lot of decisions. Now, I know right now when I say, talk about testimony, some of you are like, well, I already blew my testimony. Listen, your testimony can be remade. You can't go back and redo the mistakes of yesterday, but you can grab hold of right now. And you can be able to say, look, I made a lot of mistakes, but on this day, I decided I was going to be different than I've been before. And I'm going to mind my business. I'm going to take care of my life. And I'm going to worry about the things. See, because you know what happens? We live in a day and age where everybody's busy worrying about everyone else's testimony. Everybody's got an opinion on everybody else. But what's funny is, is the very people who have an opinion on somebody else, they ain't minding their own business. I tell people this all the time. And that's why it says it in the book of Romans that before his own master, servant stands or falls. Why? Because I got enough to deal with in my own life. It's not my job to be telling someone else, like, it is what you, you know, it's like, I got to deal with my own stuff. And if you're dealing with your own stuff, then you will be humble enough to be able to maybe help. As we like to say, Jesus taught us that before you worry about the speck in your brother's eyes, you need to pull the plank out of your own eye, right? And if you're busy pulling the plank out of your own eye, then you can, in grace and humility, talk to someone about their stuff. But know what it is? Most people are really good at dealing with your speck. Meanwhile, they're bonking you in the head with a plank coming out of their own eye. They don't even, and they're the only one who doesn't know. Like, you know what the problem with the plank in your eyes? You can't see out of it. And the problem with the blind spot is the only person who doesn't know they have the blind spot is the person who has the blind spot. Everybody else knows that there's a blind spot there, but you're the only one who doesn't know. But Daniel lived a life that had such a powerful testimony. I mean, all of these things. Would to God that people, when they think of you, would say, that person's got the spirit of the holy God living in them. I mean, that's a good testimony, isn't it? People know, this is a spirit-filled person. That there's light. The idea speaks of that enlightenment, and not enlightenment in the new age sense, but the idea that their life exposes and reveals, it walks in the things of God. Because God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he says to his disciples, you're the light of the world. And he's got this understanding. He's got insight. He's got wisdom. Daniel has the right application of the right information. That he has an excellent spirit. I love that. Like the testimony of the spirit of God is that people are like, man, that person's got an excellent spirit in them. There's something special about who they are. And Daniel has lived his life consistently in the kingdom of Babylon. And this is his testimony. He's got knowledge. And he can interpret dreams. He can explain enigmas. He can solve riddles. And what I love is that 
Because we're calling this series Friction. Why? Because all of us live in this place where the culture that we live in our faith, and they don't line up. They rub against each other, and there's this friction that happens. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where, for most of us, we don't want the friction so that we choose to accommodate a fraction or a faction within our culture where there are people who won't say, that person's got wisdom. That person's got an excellent spirit. Something about that person. Because what we do is, instead of being different, entering through the narrow gate, taking the difficult way that leads to life, if you find it, we accommodate a subculture within our culture. And it completely eradicates our ability to have a testimony. But we want to mind our testimonies. And you have to ask yourself, what is your testimony? Is your testimony one like the prophet Daniel? Or do you have a different testimony? In some ways, what I want to encourage each one of us is to make sure that we have a testimony that glorifies God. Because everybody's building a legacy right now. It's just a matter of what kind of legacy it is. Is your legacy somebody who that person was following God? Because if you're following God, no one's perfect, but at least you'll be owning your stuff along the way, right? That God would do some amazing things. And what's beautiful is, just as Daniel had an amazing testimony in Babylon, we also have the Apostle Paul having a great testimony amongst the Romans. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 24. Verses 14 to 16, Paul says this, And this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call sex, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense before God and man. That last line is important. Do you strive to have a clear conscience before God and man that you might be without offense? That if someone were to look at your life before God or for people, they would say, there's nothing I can accuse this person of. What would the life of someone like that look like? And take that, what would that life look like and juxtapose it with the life that you're living right now and anything that doesn't line up, then you say, okay, Lord, will you help me with that? you help me with that? See, and that's why here at Crossroads, we love to say that we're simply responding to Jesus. Because literally, I literally believe the Christian life is that simple. I believe that at every point of every day, God gives us understanding about the world and where we fail, right? About who we are and who we should be. And we find all these ways that we fall short. And if we would simply respond to the Lord when the Lord says, yeah, you know that thing? Yeah, I want to work on that. We say, okay, Lord, since you're going to work on that, thanks for letting me know. What are we going to do? And you say, wait, I want you to stop doing that. Or, hey, I want you to start doing that. Or, hey, you need to check that out. Instead of resisting that, we just say, okay, God, okay. I'll just try and obey. Then things change. And if you do that over a long enough period of time, all sorts of things get worked out of your life. And it's not like you have to, like, go crazy about it. You just have to respond to the Lord. Respond to the promptings of the Lord. See, Daniel's testimony was because he walked with God. And because he walked with God, God invited Daniel to partner with him to be a witness. So much so that even though Daniel might be retired from public service at this point, the queen mother's like, yeah, you need to get that guy Daniel in here. 
And it's funny because then Belshazzar invites him and Belshazzar says, hey, well, listen, you know, I've heard about you. You know, I've heard about who you are and what you do and, you know, and um, nobody can help me. Can you help me? And what's interesting is Daniel's response also gives a, a clue into his testimony as well, because notice what he does in verse 17. The first thing that Daniel does is he says, keep your gifts, but I'll tell you what you need to know. Now, it's interesting. Maybe Daniel realized that the gifts of this king are short lived because he looked at the wall, he knew what the wall said, and he said, oh, man, this kingdom's going down tonight. So, useless gift. Thanks anyway. <laughs> you know? But at the same way, all the astrologers, they just worked for hire. You know? You pay me, I, I work for you. But Daniel was not in it for that. He was in it for God. Didn't need the money. Didn't care about the money. Wasn't looking for the honor. Wasn't looking for the purple robe, the gold chain. He wasn't looking for the accoutrements of empire. That's a good word. Look that up, accoutrements. Write it down and press your friends. It's the extra gear that comes with a special position. That's what that means. You know, he doesn't want all that stuff. He doesn't want to be the third in the kingdom. Just walk with the Lord. He's like, but I will tell you. But then know what he does, and I love this about Daniel, is Daniel takes the opportunity and he reminds Belshazzar of what he should have already known. He said, listen, he says, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom. So much so that Nebuchadnezzar could do anything he wanted to do. But guess what? Nebuchadnezzar forgot it too. He got lifted up in his heart with pride. And then God sent him into insanity for a season. See, Daniel recounts for Belshazzar what happened in Daniel 4. And he's like, but when Nebuchadnezzar came back to understanding, he realized that the Most High God gave him this stuff. And then he humbled himself before the Most High God. And then God brought him back. But you should have known that already. And look at what you've done. He's like, you are making fun of the Most High God by using the holy vessels to party out of. See, what he's saying is, you didn't learn. You should have known, like, what happened to Nebuchadnezzar was meant to be something that was meant to be a teaching moment. And that's why, my friends, that's why we love the Bible here at Crossroads. Because the Bible teaches us things that we wouldn't know otherwise. We can look at what happens to Belshazzar. We can look at what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. We can look at Daniel. We can look at Moses, the children of Israel. We can look at Gideon and the disciples and all these different people and say, look at what happens. And we say, if we bridge what's happening to them to our own lives, what we learn is... If we play the fool and act like God isn't real and we get puffed up, we get humbled. That's what we learn. But what's amazing is, is just like Belshazzar, we know the story, but we're not making it personal. Belshazzar, no doubt, heard what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, but he didn't think it through. And my friends, what stories do you already know that you haven't thought through yet? What Biblical principles do you already understand, but the way that you're living doesn't line up with the thing. That's why we have so much work to do, I believe. And really, God's doing the work in us. Because God's saying, if you would just live what you know, I could do some crazy stuff. If you would just do what you know is the right thing to do. And really, what Daniel says to him is like, you didn't learn from Nebuchadnezzar. You didn't learn from his humiliation. And you brought the articles from that God's house, and you party with him, and that's why this hand is here. That hand is here, sent from God for you. Now, let's look at what it says. Picking up in verse 25, it says, and this is the inscription that was written. This is the interpretation. Each word is written. Mini, mini, tekel you farsen. This is the interpretation of each word. Mini, God has numbered your kingdom, and he finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Paris, 
your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple, put a gold chain around his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. So on the wall, there are these four words, the word meaning twice, tekel once, and then the word euphorsin. When Daniel, he explains, he's like, look, meaning God has numbered your kingdom. He's finished it, which means the amount of time you were allowed to rule has been determined by God and it's over. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and you've been found wanting or lacking. And then Perez, which is Eupharsin is a derivative of that word, literally, and your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. You know what this teaches us, my friends? This teaches us that pride destroys. That's what it teaches us. Pride destroys. I mean, you think about just from the story, all the phrases that make it into our common language, like the writing on the wall. Where does that come from? Right here. Things like, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. All this comes right out. See, these principles are in our culture, but the idea is that pride destroys. It reminds us of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. That's Proverbs 16, 18. Classic verse. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. My friends, just as Belshazzar's pride destroyed him. See, what's funny is he didn't even listen to Daniel. He gave him all the stuff anyway. But it says that that very night, the king was killed and the Medes and Persians. And what history tells us is that literally the Euphrates River ran north to south right through the city of Babylon. So they had water and they had enough provisions for 20 years. But while they were partying and they weren't guarding the walls, the armies that were around them started to divert the Euphrates. And all of the soldiers crawled right in through where the river was because instead of watching, they were partying. It wasn't even a battle. That army was already on the inside. Belshazzar died and the kingdom was destroyed. Jesus is real. Pride gets us into trouble every time. Just as we learned in today's message with Pastor Daniel, the pride of even the great creates irreversible destruction. The king's life was taken from him because he refused to humble himself before the one who had granted him the freedom. Today is a great day to check our pride and make sure our focus is on God first and that we're following him wherever he may lead. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, 
and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel reminds us of the importance of developing holy habits. These are things like continual prayer, reading God's word regularly, and serving others. As we work on developing these habits, they'll be easier and easier to do in our own lives. And people will take notice. You'll gain a reputation of godly behavior, and it just might change someone else's life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Friction. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.